familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Are you a mom who's expecting to have a cesarean or belly birth? Are you concerned about breastfeeding after having this surgery and what kind of obstacles you might experience? Or perhaps you're planning a vaginal birth and something changes that plan. I'm Rochelle McLean, an IBCLC and owner of Babies in Bloom in Vista, California. Today we're talking about breastfeeding after a cesarean birth. This is the Boob Group. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk. What's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group because mothers know breasts. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Leilani Wild. I'm also an IBCLC and owner of Leilani's Lactation and Doula Services. Did you know we've released more than 125 episodes to help you on your breastfeeding journey? Visit the episode guide on your website at newmommymedia.com to see a complete list. You can click on the episodes and listen through the website or download our free apps available in iTunes, Google Play, and Windows, and listen on the go. You can also download our free New Mommy Media Network app and listen to all of our podcasts. If you enjoy listening, then please take the time and tell other breastfeeding mamas about it so we can help encourage them as well. Now, Sunny is going to tell us more about how you get involved and become part of the Boob Group. Okay. Hi, everybody. So there are a few different ways that you can get involved with our show. First of all, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter account. So if you are on either of those platforms, feel free to check us out. We're always posting some interesting articles and sharing tips that we've learned. Uh, We're also on Instagram. We have a new mommy media account. And I'm always taking pictures of the tapings and what we're doing here behind the scenes. And I always post photos to our Instagram account. So if that's something that interests you, you can check that out. And we have a bunch of segments here on the Boob Group that we love to have your participation participation with. Uh, We have an Ask the Experts segment where you can submit your own questions, any questions you have for our experts, breastfeeding, whatever topic you have. Simply go to our website and uh, you can see a list of all of our experts there. Go to the contact link and you can submit your question from there. We'll read it on the show and we'll also get your question answered. And uh, there's another segment I really like called Boob Oops and it's where you share your funny breastfeeding and pumping stories. Same thing, go to our website, you can send us an email, Uh, but you can also call us on our voicemail and that is 619-866-4775. And those are actually some of my favorite responses because we can actually hear your voice and uh, you can tell your story yourself. And, and we'll put that on the show as well. Today in our studio, we have Kristen. Would you like to introduce yourself? 
Yes, uh, my name is Kristen Stratton, and I am a birth doula and a postpartum doula, and I am the mother of three kids, ages five and a half, three and a half, and two. Good, thank you. And Dawn, we have you on the phone. Hello, I'm Dawn Alva. I'm 42. I'm the founder of Rumina Nursing Wear. I have two little children, a boy age seven and a girl age two. Wonderful. And then we have our expert, Rochelle. I am Rochelle McLean. Um, I'm a board-certified lactation consultant, um, doula, and also childbirth educator. And I have two kids, 21 and 19. Wonderful. (coughs) Sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. All right, so before we kick off today's show about breastfeeding after cesarean, uh, I saw this article online and I thought it was kind of funny. It's rubbing some people, no pun intended, rubbing some people the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) There was a mama who um, got a spray tan and she didn't wait the necessary amount of time. You know how, I don't know if you guys have had spray tans. I've done this a couple times in the past. And if you do not wait like however many hours before, you know, putting on clothes or, you know, basically, you know, it just kind of comes off your body and it rubs off. And apparently she didn't wait um, the recommended amount of time before breastfeeding her baby. And her baby kind of ended up with like a five o'clock shadow on its face. And um, as a mama, sometimes, you know, we find these things funny and we may share these with friends. And she posted something to Facebook. She posted a photo of it. And she was, you know, she's really kind of funny about the whole thing. And she wrote, from one mom to another, she's in the UK, I'd like to let you know about my epic fail of fails. Yesterday I had a spray tan. A few hours later, I breastfed my little boy. And then... And cue five o'clock shadow and a very guilty mummy, she says. And then she included the, the photo of her son. So it's getting some mixed reviews. Some some moms are like, oh my gosh, this is the funniest thing ever. Other people are like, you're a horrible mother. Why are you getting a spray tan? You're going to get cancer. Blah, blah, blah. And then you're not going to be there for your son. Like, I mean, it's just like all over the map. So I thought I would talk about it just to see what you guys thought about it, especially as lactation consultants. Um, you know, obviously we have to watch what we consume, what we put on our bodies, you know, if our baby are actually latching and breastfeeding. It doesn't say if, she, you know, she actually had the spray. Oh, yeah, actually, she would have had it all over her breast then. So, I mean, is that something that we should be, cons- you know, concerned about? Is this just kind of a funny story that's like, eh, you know, there's other, there's bigger fish to fry kind of thing. Why are people worried about this? What do you guys think, Rochelle? I am kind of of the, the thought process. It's hard enough being a mom. Yeah. Like, she's doing the best she can do, and I just don't see the outcry. I don't know. 
I think a lot of people do a lot more harmful things than that. And I think she was admitting it. She was just kind of being playful. It happens. I like that she was willing to put herself out there and say, look, I made a mistake. Right. We all make mistakes. Yeah. And I wish people were a little bit more accepting and yeah. not as judgmental. This would have been a, a good boob oop. She should have yes. totally like contacted <laughs> us and told us about her story, right? Yeah, that would have been pretty good. <laughs> I know, right? What do you think, Leilani? Well, you know what? Um, I agree with Rochelle. It, it, it is hard being a mom and... You know, we do make choices all the time, every single day, and sometimes we make good choices, sometimes we don't. And as far as whether or not it's safe to breastfeed after spray tanning, you know, I suppose um, getting educated in advance with with that would be helpful. And then she can fight fire with fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kristen, any thoughts? Well, from one mummy to another, <laughs> um, I've definitely done things that I'm like, wow probably shouldn't have done that but that's whole that's the whole part of being a mom you know if we all knew everything we need to know in advance I don't know if any of us would do it to be honest um but you know what I'm actually kind of applauding her for putting herself out there and you know being an example to other moms that hey stuff happens sometimes you just gotta laugh yeah um and also I applaud her for doing some self-care because (laughs) I definitely could use a little bit of that and uh so I don't know I, I think she did the right thing, and anyone else who's taking it too seriously just probably needs to have a good laugh, and they'll feel better. Yeah. Don, what do you think? I just think social media is really interesting, right, as, as a mom, <laughs> um, even just something as um, lighthearted as I, as I would assume that her post was. This was, a, this was cute. It was funny. Oops, I won't do that again. Um, people, people go into um, a lot of the judgment, and it makes moms, I think, close down and not be as supportive. So I'm, I'm, I, I think what she did was probably what all of us have done in other standpoints, not that exact, you know, situation. But um, I wish we all would just um, be more forgiving and loving to each other. And yeah, I need a spray tan on my legs, and it's been two and a half years since my daughter's been born. So <laughs> I. Uh, Maybe that's where I'll go next. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lainey. Thanks for sharing your opinions. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today on The Boob Group, we're discussing breastfeeding after having a cesarean birth. Rochelle McLean, an IBCLC in Vista, California, is an expert on this topic, and she's joining us here in the studio. Welcome to The Boob Group, Rochelle. Thank you for having me. Rochelle, how soon after a cesarean birth can a woman breastfeed? As soon as she is alert and ready to go. So oftentimes it will take place in the recovery room in the hospital. Most hospitals will bring baby in to meet mom there. But as soon as she's alert and awake, the sooner the better. And will she need help? She will definitely need help. Um, The one thing about cesareans that are good, if you would, is usually the mom is reclined. And that's a great first position for babies for latching. So moms are oftentimes reclined in bed, so baby gets placed just right on top of her, which is a great position, kind of turns on all the natural reflexes for babies and helps them to latch. Um, Immediately after surgery, most moms have pretty good pain control. 
So that part is a little bit helpful for them too, not to be worrying about incisional pain. They will oftentimes though have monitors on their arm, um, IVs and things like that. So definitely having supportive nurses and partners and family members who can help get her to get the baby where she needs the baby and to feel supported. Lots of pillows, lots and lots of pillows in the beginning, in the first feed. Okay, good. Dawn, how soon after you gave birth did you breastfeed? Um, probably, I would say, one minute. I was one of the fortunate ones. I advocated pretty heavily at my baby-friendly hospital um, to actually do skin-to-skin and breastfeeding in the OR. So I was able to have her crawl on me and find and latch, um, just like I saw in the videos of a standard, you know, natural birth. So I was one of the fortunate ones. That's, that's great. And what about you, Kristen? That's amazing. I actually had my kids um, before that was kind of the place we were going with cesarean births. So um, I just breastfed my kids in the recovery room. Um, But it was an overall pretty good experience. Like Rochelle said, usually your pain control is under, you know, under uh, a comfortable level. And then um, I also was pretty tired because I had some unplanned cesareans with labor and then after that so like she said lots of pillows lots of support from nurses to help you get a good latch but but yeah how, how soon after did were you able to latch um probably within uh an hour okay good yeah good i should caveat mine i apologize this is dawn so my second birth was cesarean i advocated for and that was the experience the first experience i had was an emergency c-section was very similar to yours Kristen. they i I actually went to the recovery room, and that was the more traditional um, approach to breastfeeding um, within that experience. So I've had two, and both of them are exceptionally different. And did you find that you had a lot of support in both cases? Yes, from all the staff, um, absolutely. Um, I I, I love the nursing staff. They're amazing um, at our hospital. What I, what I think was a little different is my son and I, our relationship was different than my relationship with my daughter, having been able to connect with her in a different way. So I do attribute that to in the OR, but I don't think that's standard across the board. I just struggled the first time, and so I advocated hard for the second time to do things a little differently, and it just happened to work out for me. Wonderful. Uh, Rochelle, can you tell us what the benefits of breastfeeding as soon as they can? Sure. So the the sooner the better, both for mom and baby. For mom, you get the release of the oxytocin, which can help with the contraction of the uterus to get it to start to involute to go back down and to minimize bleeding. Um, It's a very big bonding time with all that oxytocin in her system. And then for baby, being skin to skin and being latched on, Um, helps with blood sugar, respiration rate, body temperature, heart rate, all those things that are good and stabilizing. And so the sooner the better, and definitely within the first hour if possible. I have to say I love hearing stories that we're seeing moms now getting to do it um, in the OR. My first was born via C-section, so 21 years ago, we didn't see babies for six hours, and it was uncomplicated. He was healthy. Just when you had a cesarean, baby went to the nursery, mom went to recovery, and then when you got back in your room, you were given the baby. So I have such hope professionally and personally for moms getting this and advocating for earlier and better. That's great. How often should they feed their babies? So babies should be nursing every usually two to three hours, even as every one hour can be normal in the beginning. But if for some reason mom and baby are separated and that first feed has not happened in six hours or less, then you want to start a mom pumping. So if there's been some complication where mom and baby can't be together, 
but just as the same with the vaginally delivered baby, they should be eating frequently every couple hours, at least eight or more times in 24 hours. And do you find that most of the hospital staff promote that, or are they educated in that area? It depends on the hospital, and that's kind of where I see it more happening. Studies have shown that moms who have cesarean sections, their milk supplies are diminished. They don't have as much day three or four. Their babies have more jaundice, more weight loss, and they used to contribute it to the surgery, but what we're really realizing is it's probably not anything to do with the actual surgical procedure. It's the behavior of the staff in a case of a cesarean birth and also moms not feeling as well and maybe not getting babies to breast as often as they should because in studies where they've actually looked at babies who have fed the same amount as an average baby those moms with cesareans have had the same kind of milk supply so it's probably not the surgery it's the behavior after staff good good information so helping helping the moms understand the value and the importance of how soon she should be breastfeeding and how often she should be breastfeeding and Correct. a um, baby that sleeps so well right. afterwards you know i know we don't like good babies yeah, I know. <laughs> as a lactation consultant when you have a, a client who says oh they're such a sweet newborn they sleep all the time we're like no <laughs> that means red something's flag, probably not flag, going well <laughs> yeah exactly yep yep Okay, uh, let's see. Did uh, Don? did you know that what the benefits were of getting your baby to the breast as soon as possible? In both cases, um, yes. Um, I, we had the classes, and like I said before, we're a baby-friendly hospital out here. And so um, they were advocating, and I think on the first one, I had um, him to me within that first hour. Um, so I knew the benefits, and I think that's why I was, um, I was the first one they allowed to do the skin-to-skin in the OR, um, because I was advocating for that early, that latch in, in a way that um, I knew the benefits much more deeply at that point with my second child. So I, well, I, would, I would recommend any woman that has to have a cesarean to, um, to advocate heavily and to get um, the pediatrician really on board. I thought it was the OR, um, the, uh, you know, your OB in the, um, uh, the room that actually made that call. And what I came to find out with all the um, back and forth with the hospital administration, that's really the pediatrician who rules in that room. And if your pediatrician is on board, you can pretty much, and of course the nursing staff, I, I cannot say enough about how wonderful they were. Um, you, you, can, um, you can make some changes in there. So um, that's, that was very strong in my mind. And when I found out I had to have another C-section, I was devastated, um, but I found my way around it, and I was able to get that skin-to-skin uh, quickly and do that latch-on the way I had envisioned, even with a cesarean birth. D- did you find that your um, your husband needed to help speak out for you, or did you feel like you had a, a voice uh, big enough on your own? Um, I think we were. My husband was a very strong support. Um, did not support my decision to want to do a VBAC, which they were not, I was not um, able to do anyway. Um, but it was really the voice of my um, OB as well. She's a strong advocate for um, skin-to-skin in the OR, and that was her first experience. And she, she went to bat with the, um, the administration of the hospital to, to get me, to allow me to do the, um, this plan. And with the, with the understanding that my plan was to have it turn out the way it did. But I said, if, if, if there is any indication that she's not, you know, where we want her to be, all bets are off. 
do do what you need to do in order to make sure that she is okay and all the other um, stuff that I my, had in my plan, my vision that never, you know, when you have this plan, it never works out. Um, it ended up being very, very, very close to the plan. But um, yes, I think my, o, my OB was that strong voice. My husband was an amazing support through the whole process. Good, good. And what about the nursing staff? Were they on board as well? Uh, yes, I think that's why all. I think that's why I was the first one that they um, <laughs> that they allowed is um, the nursing staff, the head of the OR. She was an IBCLC. She was a strong advocate for skin to skin, and I think that because all the stars were aligned, that my pediatrician was 100% on board, um, the OB and the nursing staff. It it it. I think it just allowed everything to happen the way. Um, the way I liked it or the way I envisioned it to happen. And that's important to share with our audience, too, is to make sure that everyone that is involved in your birth is uh, well aware of what your plans are and they're on board because nothing worse than having to fight for what you believe in and what you desire, especially if it's for you, best for you and your baby. So, Kristen, how about you? Did you understand what the benefits were of getting the baby on as quickly as you could? Yeah, I definitely knew that it was best to do skin to skin as soon as possible and get that latch as soon as possible. Um, just even with a vaginal birth, you know, that's usually the first place your baby goes. So it just seemed natural to desire that even with a cesarean birth. Um, and sometimes that's not always the case if there's something going on with baby. I did have a baby that had to go to the NICU for a few hours before coming to me. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of a, a waiting game to see if we needed to do anything for me while, you know, waiting to see if I was going to get my baby back anytime soon. But, um, I definitely not only knew that that was the best thing, but it just felt the strong desire to have my baby on my chest. Um, so it's also a very instinctual thing. So did you, were you able to have the baby latch prior to being taken away to the NICU? Um, not with, not with that child, but with my other kids, I did get immediate skin to skin after going to recovery. And so how long was your separation? Um, with the one that went to the NICU, I believe it was four to five hours. It's a little foggy because that was a, um, that was a stat C-section. So I wasn't really aware of what was going on too much, but, um, but yeah, my other kids, I didn't have to wait very long. Mm-hmm. And with that four to five hour separation, did they have you start pumping at all? They didn't. They didn't. Um, but I think that's because they thought he was going to get stabilized and be with me. Mm-hmm. Um, if it had been any longer, I probably would have insisted on having access to a pump. Did you feel like you had doctors or medical staff supporting what you desired? Um, with that birth, no. Um I actually had hired the dream team, but my dream team went on vacation. So, (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, I I did have a doula and I did have a supportive spouse who helped advocate for me. Good. Uh, When we come back, we'll discuss what to beware of in regards to your milk supply and the exposure of anesthesia and other drugs passing through the milk. We will be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Welcome back to the show. We are here with Rochelle McLean and IBCLC. Rochelle, will there be uh, will the baby be exposed to any anesthesia or other drugs because of the cesarean birth? Um, as far as anesthesia goes, the anesthesia that you're given shouldn't affect your supply in that regard. Generally, the guideline is if you're alert and able to feed and everything has cleared your system enough to be safe. Um, pain medications are a little bit different. Most pain medications are safe for breastfeeding. There are some that have a little bit more risk of causing the baby to be sleepy, um, a little bit less of a suckling instinct and those sorts of things. Okay. What uh, signs should they be looking for if, uh, if there is any issues in regards to that besides the poor suck? Um, I always just like to kind of give them a heads up that it won't always happen, but some babies, um, like I said, don't really have as much of an urge to suck or they might be sleepier, so they need to work on keeping the baby awake more often, and skin-to-skin is one of the best ways to keep a baby awake. The analogy I use with parents is kind of like if you're shopping at the mall and you're not hungry and then you walk in the food court, you smell it, (laughs) you're like, oh, okay. So I always tell them, I'm like, whenever you have a sleepy baby, you want to have them on your chest so that they're right between the pretzel place and the cinnamon roll place so that they can smell smell the food in the food court and be a little bit more excited and hand expressing colostrum drops and smearing it on their lips and trying to kind of get them to wake up that's usually the biggest side effect as far as that goes with parents that I've seen Mm -hmm. do you recommend um, if they're not latching within a certain amount of time that they should start hand expressing how or how much time do you recommend that they should wait yeah again the sooner the better I like to see them feeding more because we know the more frequently they feed in the first few days the impact that has on overall milk supply. Definitely for that first feed, six hours, I think is a pretty standard cutoff, but I I kind of encourage people even sooner. Mm -hmm. And then making sure baby's getting eight to 12, at least feedings per day. So if you have a sleepy baby, just hand expressing either using your finger or dropper or spoon and getting colostrum into their mouth. Because usually once they start eating a little bit more, then they start waking up and they can be more participatory in their feeds. Right, right, good. Kristen, was your baby sleepy? Um, I don't recall them being sleepy, um, mostly because I had spinal anesthesia, um, so I didn't really have anything that was making me particularly groggy, but I did have to take um, narcotic pain medicine while still in the hospital, um, which made me a little loopy, so I actually ended up cutting back on that and just doing ibuprofen because I'm sure it had a similar effect on my baby. Um, But my kids were jaundiced, so I know that that made it a little bit more difficult to to keep them involved in feeding. Dawn, how about you? Did you have any problems with your baby being sleepy? With um, my first, I, well, I'm one of those moms that you talk about, you wish your, your baby didn't, wasn't that good of a sleepers. And um, mine for the first two and a half years were just like that. So no, I had no um, sleepy baby with my son when I was in the recovery for longer. Although with the, with the slight understanding that I was very groggy from all of the, the, the process. Um, so I do not believe that that was something um, that, that I had to experience with my daughter. She rooted at the breast right there in the OR. So um, I, had, I believe I had the spinal, the spinal anesthesia as well. Now that, you're, you, now that you mentioned that, Kristen, I, now I, I believe that's what I also had, which I don't think had any effect on the babies. Um, I was really worried about that, and, and it didn't. Um, that was not the case in, in my, my two. Okay, good. Thank you. And Rochelle, how long until they should expect their milk? What we, you know, lots of moms think coming in. <laughs> we call it increasing in volume, right? There we go. So how long? How long should it, they expect? For most moms, um, your milk increases in volume between days two and five. Again, with cesarean birth, 
you just want to make sure baby's eating frequently enough. As Kristen mentioned, mom not feeling comfortable is one of the things that contributes to fewer feeds. So fewer feeds can delay the increase in the supply um, because you need that frequent milk removal to trigger the milk production. So making sure baby's eating, I can't say it enough times, eight or more times in 24 hours, and those frequent feeds is really important to bringing in an increase sooner. And looking for when they're feeding, how active they are feeding, because it can look like a baby's feeding. And they're like, well, the baby's at the breast all the time, right? So how can you help them understand what that looks like? So you're wanting to not just kind of see a baby that's attached, but make sure that you're seeing them suck using nice jaw glides, um, seeing swallows or hearing swallows. It's hard with colostrum because it's such a small amount, but little sounds as they're swallowing. Um, Starting to look at their body posture. Usually babies who are hungry are, are pretty tight. Their hands are fisted, their shoulders are close. And as their bellies get more full, they tend to kind of relax and open their hands. So definitely signs of that. Obviously wet diapers, dirty diapers are also good indications. Yes, and do you find that it's important that these parents pay attention to how many wets and poopy diapers they have? Because not enough of them, I know, are not educated well enough in that area. Correct. Well, I think, again, all parents should be aware of that. But the special thing with moms who are recovering from surgery, too, is you're not just a new mom. You're recovering from major abdominal surgery. So knowing that having good support there to kind of help keep track because you're trying to get your own self together can be really, really challenging to make sure. So I always tell the support people, you know, you're not, usually you share the job of watching baby and making sure, but when mom's recovering from surgery, we need you to be a little bit more on top of baby because mom's trying to be on top of her, her own care at that moment. Right. And, and it's important to recognize that it is surgery. It is surgery. (laughs) And it's trauma. I mean, it's no matter what kind of surgery you have, it takes a toll on your body. So exactly. Taking good care of yourself is important. Exactly. Should they try pumping if they can't get their baby to latch? And if so, how soon should they wait? How long should they wait before they think about pumping? Definitely. Again, with all moms, not just cesarean moms, if there's something happening where you can't get a baby latched, definitely before that six hour mark and the earlier the better. Um, We usually recommend hand expression over pumping. Um, The analogy I use with parents is that that early milk, that colostrum is usually really thick and kind of like you try to suck a thick milkshake up in a straw, suction doesn't work with thick things very well. So a lot of moms will get more milk with hand expression or using a combination of hands-on pumping where you're doing hand expression with the pump to try to express the milk out and to get that milk volume increasing. And so you also have something to give the sleepy baby so that they become part of the feed again. Right. And collecting it in a little tiny cup is helpful. Right. right? Or a spoon. Or a spoon. And giving moms the um, realistic expectation of what they're going to get. You know, they expect when you pump that there will be ounces. So really just getting excited over the four drops that they're able to collect or whatever. Um, the hospital where I used to work, we had a great NICU nurse who used to celebrate moms who would bring up their little half a cc syringe of colostrum so that they understood how important that was so that they would continue to work on increasing that. Mm-hmm. Good. Great. Thank you. Kristen, were you ever worried that you couldn't provide enough milk and end up giving formula because of that? Yeah, with my first, we had a rough start. I mean, she was a, she was an unplanned cesarean, um, and then uh, she also, I, I knew nothing of breast no one in my family really breastfed so I was just kind of walking in the dark Um, she actually had an upper lip tie that was really affecting our latch and I didn't know and um, so I switched to pumping and then saw my output and thought oh well this can't be enough so I um, ended up 
transitioning into formula with her. So uh, with my other two, I was determined to breastfeed because I figured if I can't have the perfect birth I want, I'm at least going to have this relationship with them and that, you know, that was going to provide some healing. Um, so uh, I, and then I also educated myself and got a lot more knowledge about what realistic output is and supply and demand and just basically watched their diapers and stopped worrying about it and their weight was good and, you know, stopped trying to obsess about how many, you know, ounces I could fill up in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Good, so, good. Yeah. And how about you, Don? Did you um, fear that you couldn't provide enough milk? <laughs> that, that brings up that, that yes. Actually, um, I'm a type A personality and I like to quantify everything. And those little ouncer things on the, you know, the pump bottles, all that was very, I, I was educating myself on what all those things meant. I really feared that he, um, my son and my daughter, mostly my son, because I figured it out with, uh, you know, with my daughter. Um, I have really, really small babies. Um, they're like always in the 7 to 10 percentile in weight, which as a new mom, as a first time mom, freaked me out. Um, the, my doctor was, you know, you're, you're, you're fine as long as there's no dip and we're just steadily climbing and we're always, a, you know, we're not doing anything major. We're, we're okay. You're okay. So the first couple months that I was um, nursing him, uh, it, was, it was quite a challenge in not knowing and being very frantic, um, which brings me to the funny story. I have a great sister. Um, I was so paranoid that I would lose my supply. I bought every single formula type at my store taste tested against my breast milk to see <laughs> which one tasted most like my breast milk. So in case I, for some reason, just randomly stopped producing milk, which I understand doesn't happen, that I would have something on hand for my son. <laughs> so luckily, I, I didn't end up um, um, giving him the formula until after about four months and five months of exclusive pumping. And then I went to formula um, sooner than I would have liked. Um, with my daughter, it was a different experience. I realized I have very, um, very small, lean kids. So the, the, the weight didn't bother me anymore. Um, we ended up, uh, you know, uh, relaxing quite a bit together. It's probably my relaxing allowed us to have a much longer nursing relationship. She finally, my body finally stopped producing, I think, at 27, 28 months almost. So... Um, very different experiences, but I worried every step of the way with my son. It was um, that was something I had to get used, get over the quantification and the, those ounces. And you know, you see these big baby bottles that you know people give, and I know that wasn't what was coming out of my breast, but it's not what my son needed. So everything was you know okay. Well, that's the experience of being a, a second time mom, right? Is <laughs> <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you so much, Rochelle and Kristen and Don, for sharing your knowledge and experience with us about breastfeeding after cesarean birth. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show, as Rochelle will give us some tips on how we can prevent a yeast infection or thrush after receiving antibiotics due to having a cesarean. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at newmommymedia.com. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have a comment from one of our listeners, and we love getting email from you guys. This one comes from Veronica, and I asked if I could read it on the show, and she writes... I have been an avid listener of yours for several years. When my husband and I were thinking about having children, I found Pregtastic. And for those of you who don't know, Pregtastic was a podcast I did before launching New Mommy Media. So she says, I found Pregtastic via an iTunes search and began downloading and listening to every episode starting with the last and moving towards the first. When I became pregnant with twins last year, I really enjoyed listening to the episodes of Pregtastic. And at the end of my pregnancy, I found myself wishing for more. So another quick iTunes search led me to Twin Talks. And to my delight, I discovered that you had become a twin mom and you were also on that podcast. And from there, I began listening to The Boob Group. She says, I only wish I had discovered New Mommy Media earlier in my pregnancy so I could have listened to Preggy Pals when it was relevant. And Preggy Pals is our pregnancy show. So I wanted to read this. Um, Not only is she a listener of the boob group, but it really reiterates what we're trying to do here at New Mommy Media. And that is to create an environment where brand new parents can come into our community, if you will, and start with one show and then just keep listening Um, to other shows as well as you need them and I'm really glad this worked for Veronica I love that she listens to the boob group Veronica I really appreciate you sending this in thanks so much that wraps up our show for today we appreciate you listening to the boob group don't forget to check out our sister show preggy pals for expecting parents parent savers for moms and dads with infants and toddlers twin talks for parents with multiples and our new show newbies for postpartum moms during baby's first year Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hey, mamas. 
Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.